Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 56. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic day. So we have got a great guest on the show today, Bill Troy. Now, Bill is an Inc. 500 CEO and a natural-born contrarian. I'm going to find out exactly what that means later on. Who, for 25 years, has helped global brands like Sony, Disney, and Nestle see the world from a different perspective. As CEO of Civilis Marketing, Bill and his team help companies initiate and nurture real relationships that drives businesses' growth using today's digital communication tools without resorting to the high-pressure, high-volume automated techniques sold by online marketing pitchmen. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to it. So before I find out exactly what a con- – actually, no, let's just go straight into that. What is a contrarian? Yeah. So I just really enjoy challenging the status quo. There are a lot of things that uh, people believe, and they're not always based in fact. And there are a lot of things people are told that are not always based in fact. And uh, online marketing is one of those areas that I really think um, there are some things people are being told that are just not right, and they're accepting it and uh, going down the wrong path. No, brilliant. Excellent. Okay, so could you just give us a little bit of history about your journey that's brought you to this point today? Yeah, sure. So uh, for 20 years, I've had Troy Research, which is an online market research firm. And um, that's where we've done a lot of work for the companies that we mentioned before, like Sony, Nestle, helping them uh, position their products and services in the marketplace. And, and a lot of that work is about helping them interpret what the what the results say and not jump to too many conclusions. And really, you know, data is fantastic, but it can also be misleading. So um, there's a skeptical eye necessary for doing that kind of work. And then six years ago, we started Civilis Marketing, and that's really focused in the online marketing space. And I brought that same critical questioning mindset to the online marketing space and started realizing that a lot of the things that people take for granted that we should all be doing, sending out lots of email and focusing on keywords on your website and AdWords and that sort of thing, really actually weren't working. It looked like it was working. You know, it was sort of like you're winning the battle, but we found out that a lot of companies were losing the war. And so our work with Civilis led me to say, I've got to write a book because we work with a lot of great companies, but we can't work with every company out there. And I, I think millions of companies are going down the wrong path. So the book is designed to help people deal with this, whether they use us or someone else or even fix it themselves. Yeah, it's an interesting one because you do hear so, especially in, mm. in the marketing world, you yeah. do you do hear so many different ways. And you know, when it, if it's content marketing, it's everyone should do a blog and it should yeah. be written and uh, you know, or or you should do video or whatever it is. And and you hear. And quite often the company, the, the people I work with, the entrepreneurs, or even the holistic practitioners, they're going, well, which one do I do? Because I'm doing, yeah. you know, I'm spending so much time, like, for example, I'm not a writer, which is one of the, re- even though I'm working on the boot, which you talked about previously, um, right. it's not my strength, but it's, it's literally drilled down to go, you need to do a blog, you need to do a blog, but video and audio are more my natural skill set so to speak right um how does someone battle through that sort of minefield of information 
Well, the first thing we always do is go back and examine what has worked in the past for that business. Because frequently we're working with businesses that uh, are very successful. And all of a sudden they've decided to change what they've done for 20 years and follow this crazy new idea and uh, they get way off track. So we go back and say, let's talk about where your customers really have come from and how they really got to you. And it usually works out that it's, you know, personal relationships, long-term relationships. And then we say, well, how do you think it's going to work if you start spamming people with messages over and over again? You're going to damage those relationships. So that's really a big part of it is just saying, let's look at reality here and not a dream. Because a lot of times, you know, I, I use the term pitchmen. I think there are a lot of pitchmen in online marketing. I think they're just selling a dream, selling a, a magic pill that they claim will bring you uh, magical customers. And it doesn't really work, but it just sounds so appealing that companies fall for it. Yeah, like the field of dreams, isn't it? If you build it, yeah. they will come sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, no, we have the, I know. I suppose I have the same thing in the personal development world is there's, there's the, the people where it's – I suppose one of the buzzwords at the minute is the hustle, you know, to yeah. do the hustle. And it's like you've got to understand what the hustle means for you rather than right. trying to go right. into someone else's version because it worked for them. But that does not mean that that, that type of hustle is going to work exactly the same way for you, especially if you are not wired to work you know, 15, 16 hours a day or whatever, right. however that distribution right. is. And, and and you've got to sort of, I suppose, is, is it about going back and really understanding how you want to communicate yeah. as well? Yeah. Oh, totally. And, and and what's effective and what your potential customers uh, need. You know, that's that's the crazy thing is that someone comes in from the outside with some model or some tool or some, uh, you know, some gimmick and you just say, okay, we'll just do it that way. Well, why do you think that works? What is going to work for your customers or your business? And uh, that's the thing. It just sounds so compelling. You know, it's almost like, uh, you know, they're selling a weight loss pill or a magic, you know, it's just crazy. And, and people are so hungry for a process to build their business that's reliable that these guys put a pitch together that just sounds so compelling and looks so plausible. And people, that's why they go for it. Because like, oh, looks like it's going to work. So let's try it but it doesn't. Yeah. And I suppose it's that, it's that if, you know, quite often if it's that, if it looks that easy, yeah, it's, pro <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's probably actually not because yeah. I think you look at all these people and, um, I was what I was reading something the other day about, um, Pat Flynn and, and John Lee Dumas with EO fire and stuff. And they have an extremely successful business. But when you look at the curve of what the norm is, that isn't, that isn't the norm. It's, right. you know, you've got to look at it going, yes, you can. There's no reason why that can't happen, but it's don't right. expect it to. Yeah. Your results may vary, right? They never mm. say that part. No. <laughs> they just show you the spectacular results and say, oh, you should do this too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you, when you're the, when you're looking at that, when you, you talked about going back to the beginning, is there any other yeah. handy strategies or, or, or tips that you could um, give us to help us on our journey sort of to clarify, to get cleared through that, all of that fog. Yeah. I mean, a couple of really quick, uh, things to keep in mind. First one is don't start with the tool end with the tool. 
so many businesses today are saying, okay, we need to do LinkedIn or we should be online with SEO. Like, well, you're starting with the hammer. And so guess what? Everything is going to look like a nail, but you may find out your business is actually built with screws or your business is built with glue. So you have to go back and look at how your business works and then select a tool. And if it turns out that LinkedIn is a tool that's right for you or email is right for you, fine. But what's happening is, is they're starting by being enamored with the tool and they're just changing their business to fit the tool instead of using the tool to fit their business yeah yeah no that i think it, it's that thing isn't it because you, you you've got all of that that gung-ho sort of energy when you first start out that you just want to yeah. go okay let's go and you don't yeah. always necessarily think with the strategy yes. that you would think of as you go through time and you start to learn those you know sometimes extremely costly lessons because um, yeah. I made that mistake. I remember when I first started, someone said, well, you need, you know, the clicks and you need to be on the search engines and we can mm -hmm. get you to the front. And it's like, well, okay, that sounds too good to be true. But um, I need to make my business work. So there you go. And it turned out to be to the point actually where they didn't put me on Google. They put me on every other single search engine, but they didn't ah. put me on Google. So <laughs> now my experience would be, what the hell was all that about? But, you know, yeah. but it's it's that... Sometimes time time gives us that lesson, and and stepping back, and I guess from the from the marketing side is is the you find that do you find that some people don't look at that sort of the their ideal type customer, or is that a practice that you would still sort of look at? What is their sort? Of, I think they probably describe it as an avatar or something like that. Is that a process that you still go through, or is that? Is that yeah, absolutely. That yeah, yeah we that. want to find out exactly what that customer was all about and what their life is all about. You know, I was just talking with a B2B company the other day and they, they sell services to large companies and uh, an online marketing person said they needed to be blogging. And I said, do you really think that the vice president of procurement at those large companies you're trying to reach out to is sitting around hoping to read a blog all day? They're not. They're not going to read it. And yes, the story makes sense that you're going to put out valuable content and it's going to help people to, but it, you're not going to get who you want. So that's part of the problem is this stuff is all built. So you get activity, like you get clicks, you get visits, but you don't actually get business. And that's what eventually, like you said, businesses start to figure out and they say, wait, I think this might not be working. <laughs> yeah. Well, as well as, as we look at, we, we've, we, we, as you, as we've got into this sort of digital era where yeah. we use the follower, the, the audience size, not in necessarily in our list, but we look at the yeah. amount of people that are following us on Twitter or, or whatever else as that is our reach. And, and that isn't always, well, probably 95% of the time that is not the real reach that you have because maybe only 3% or 5% or if you're lucky, I guess 10% may actually follow you as much as you think they do. Yeah, that's a really uh, th uh, important thing we go through a lot is looking at whether volume equals you know success. Um, and there are so many things that we just take for granted that that I as a contrarian in our company kind of question, like, for example, let's just say you're sending out an email newsletter and you're getting some open rate, 32% of people are opening it. And so you're so focused on trying to get that from 32 to 35 and 35 to 40. And so you're doing things with the subject line and whatever, putting more compelling store. When in fact, wait a minute, if 32% of people are opening it, that means 68% of people aren't. Maybe... <laughs> 
Maybe if you looked at the same exact number a different way, a way that doesn't benefit the person who sold you that service, right? That's the thing is that the people that are selling it tell you this is great. And we come in and say, wait, a minute, maybe that's not great. Don't we all get emails that we hate, that we open and we get mad because they tricked us by you know, putting something in the subject line? Yet companies keep doing it thinking somehow theirs is working. And that's, that's the thing that's tough. Yeah, because I think also is is that's that's another challenge. I, I know a lot of people that I speak to have with that m- marketing side as well is they want to be they want to be truthful and transparent, but it's when they get told to put you know certain sort of um, yeah. maybe say let's say extravagant titles. Yeah. They they may be pulling it away from their um, congruency to how they actually want to pass the message across. Sure. And the thing what we talk about with our clients, you know, we focus on relationships, as you mentioned, and we have to we have to start with a definition of what a relationship is. A lot of times that's not even defined in a company. They think that because they're sending a message or or something like that, that they have a relationship with that person on the other end. We define relationships as a two way interaction and you build a relationship with a an ongoing series of multiple two way interactions. So if you don't get a response from someone, other than they opened it, <laughs> you don't have a relationship and you may actually be damaging. You may be moving backwards instead of forwards. So it starts with just even defining, you know, oh, let's talk about what a relationship is in the real world. In person, if you walk up to someone and you say something to them and they look at you blankly and do not respond, you know, you've got a problem <laughs> with that relationship. But online, you think, oh, no problem. We'll just say something else later. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I know from my mistakes when I first started, I, I followed certain people that gave me certain strategies and my my list diminished rapidly. Mm, yeah. And and you look from, from from my point of view, that was like, oh, God, right. But then they'll go, well, you just get rid of the tire kickers. But you're not always getting rid of the tire kickers because, yeah, as yeah. you said, is is you're getting thirty two percent clicks. But actually, if they're not do, if they're not following then the call to action, even that thirty two percent is still not. It's still no right. good to anyone anyway, is it? Yeah, yeah, and and you know what we see times a lot of times too is that companies will even take. Play, uh, relationships they have that are actual real relationships. You meet someone in person, you have a nice conversation and you, they give you their business card. And then you go back and you dump them in your email newsletter. And so you, you take someone who had a personal interaction with you and you start sending them junk that is the same as everybody else you send. And that just tells them you really didn't care about them in the first place. So you do a lot of things like that when you follow these gimmicks and tricks that you don't even think about that are moving things backwards instead of forwards. And, and, and yeah, and does the strategy change depending on the size of the company. I mean, obviously, I know their budgets will be bigger and, and that sort of thing, but does the do the core strategies change whether you are dealing with someone like Sony to dealing with someone who is an entrepreneur? Is Do they radically change, or is there, is there just slight nuances in their approach? Well, it's different for every company, depending on the size of the transaction and the lifetime value of the customer. But really what it changes based on isn't the size of the company that we work for. It's the size. It's the it's the the life of the person on the other end who's buying it. 
how, what do they need in order to feel comfortable to make that decision? Now, maybe it's not much to make a quick online purchase, but maybe it's a lot to buy some sort of service that they're going to have to invest a lot of their own personal reputation in their company, convincing everyone to switch to you. So it's really about the buyer. And, and if you're a small company trying to sell to a large company where that's a lot of a complicated situation, it's the same as if you're a big company trying to sell to a big company. So it's the life of that buyer on the other side that you really have to examine. Yeah, yeah. And just to just to change the um, direction of the mm-hmm. conversation slightly for you, when you are starting on this, um, on this journey, what do you think? What is what are the what do you think the, the key mindset you've had to develop from your, you know, starting out to creating an Inc 500 company? Right. So um, that's a curveball for you, Bill. Yeah, right. So I think that the recipe is um, one of those recipes that is uh, simple but not easy. I think growth of a company always comes down to your ability to inspire other people to join you in the battle. And um, and that's really what it's all about. Whatever the industry, it's you can't make the Inc. 500 or any other, you know, award like that. On your own, you have to do it with other people. So, I think that's the ultimate job of a CEO is to inspire others to join in the crusade and all go into battle together. And that's your main job. So, that's always the same. Yeah, and I suppose it's developing that culture so everyone understands yeah. what it yep. is and what's because a lot of the big companies you you go in and a lot of them, a lot of people don't know what the mission statement or vision or that culture is it's just something that goes on the wall and they might pass it every so often it's hard it's so it's easier from that standpoint if you're a small company because mm-hmm. you have the ability to touch everyone or touch more a yeah. higher percentage of the people that work for you yeah. um, but it's the same no matter what i mean you know the people at apple or even the people at google mm-hmm. um they have a mission and they're all pretty much buying into it so it's a matter of clearly identifying what we're all doing as a team and getting everyone on the same page So I'm really excited about this new exclusive and intimate membership I am launching to celebrate the one-year birthday of the show. It's a hybrid combining the benefits of masterminding and group coaching as well as so much more. It really is stacked full of additional fantastic bonus content. If you're looking for a highly supportive group that will hold you accountable to achieve your goals and assist you to take your life to the next level, this is the community for you. It's called the Success IQ Alliance, and it is only open to 10 people. That's right, only 10 people. If you'd like to be one of those 10, then head over to the Facebook page and register your interest. There is an application process so I can make sure that only the right people become part of this exclusive community. Join this transformational community and start creating that exceptional life today. Visit facebook.com forward stroke success IQ podcast to get all the information you're looking for. Okay, welcome back here. We're on the second part of the show where I get an opportunity to ask Bill the questions I ask every guest on the show. So Bill, question number one is how much time a week do you spend on self-development? 
Yeah, I, I put this in about three buckets, and I think altogether it's 20, 30 hours a week. Um, I spend a lot of time with other entrepreneurs. I'm a big uh, believer in hearing from people that have been through an experience. So um, I'm a member of the Entrepreneurs Organization, and I'm in uh, forum groups where we talk about the challenges we've been through. And so that's really helpful for me to hear what other entrepreneurs go through, helps to validate some of the issues I have. And then I beyond that, I spend a lot of time on myself, by myself. I'm a runner, so I get out and do a lot of meditative type running and then uh, do some work in the woods. Um, we've got some wooded property, so it's great to get out with a chainsaw or something and get something done. And it's actually very um, satisfying to be able to just, you get the chainsaw, you cut it, it's done. There's no long-term strategies. Yeah. There's no, yeah, <laughs> no yeah, business no, yeah. plans. How do we have to plan this one? Let's just, let's yeah. just sit this way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's unless you've got neighbors close by, of course. Neighbors close yeah. by this requires a little bit more strategy. That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. Question number two is what is your favorite personal development book and why? So I don't know if it's a personal development book of my favorite book uh, that helps has helped me to develop. I would uh, say Nelson Mandela's Long Walk to Freedom. I just okay. um, love his view on life. Um, you know, someone who's simultaneously competitive and uh, wanting to accomplish things, but able to do it in an understanding way that understands even your adversaries as a human being. So competitive success combined with grace. I just think that's just fantastic. Yeah. He's a, he was a rare, he was a rare yeah. gent. He was. If, if only he wasn't, but he was. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, exactly. Question yeah. number three is what is your favorite app? I do a lot of traveling. So uh, a couple of apps I use a lot are Google Translate. Uh, I couldn't live without it for signs and yeah. menus and things uh, in other countries. And then speaking of that, I also love when I'm in Europe using Rick Steves audio uh, app where I can, you know, you can just about take a walking tour anywhere you are in Europe by just walking out the door and, uh, Oh, wow. Never heard, I'm never tour heard group that and, Oh, oh wow. yeah. Okay. You know, uh, like when you take an audio tour and it's yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. stop number one is here. Stop number two is yeah. here. Yeah. It's just an app on your phone. And so you go to the Coliseum or you, you go to oh, wow. Piccadilly circus or whatever. And he just walks you around. You just you just miss the lady with the umbrella, saying "Follow me." <laughs> yeah. there you go. <laughs> Fantastic! I'll have to have a look yeah. for that one because that'll be interesting. Okay, question number four is: What's your biggest business? What's your biggest business mistake, and what did it teach you? Well, I think my biggest mistake was waiting too long. I actually didn't start my first company until I was thirty-five, um, and uh, I was successful working for other people. And what I I, I was always wanting to do it and talking about it, and I kept getting talked out of it. And then I finally one day realized, wait a minute, everyone in my life, family, coworkers, uh, they're all giving me advice about what they would do in my situation. They aren't giving the advice that I would do because they're not me. And I suddenly realized that I couldn't ask other people whether I should do it because they would all think I was insane to throw everything away and start on my own. So that was the realization I had. I think I just wish I would have had it earlier. But it's it's, it's good as well because it's the it's quite often it's the 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 sort of the voice demons that you get when you yeah. are at a certain age as well to go well, that's true you know you've yeah. got to, you've got you've got an element of security here you're you're yeah. you've you've only got xyz until you go to retire do you really want to throw that away or do yeah, you if want not to now when say, i mean yeah you've been yeah. talking about it forever time yeah. to go or not yeah. yeah no brilliant i love that one okay question number five is what are your challenges in balancing life and work and how do you manage them 
Right. So I think um, that question is different for entrepreneurs than for other people, um, civilians, maybe, I, I, because I think that um, work for an entrepreneur is a symptom and not a not the actual problem. So I think that all entrepreneurs have some sort of internal compulsion or fire that drives them that they're they're trying to overcome or, or whatever. And so I think the work life balance is trying to be that compulsion life balance. Right. Because um, it could be work, it could be whatever. And so trying to figure out what that compulsion is, what is that thing that, that, you know, eats at you, that keeps you going, 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 going and figuring how to balance that with the rest of your life. Um, I think that's the challenge. And, um, so that's really what I focused on over the years is trying to get to the core of what drives me and, uh, then get to know it and become comfortable with it and, and balance it. Yeah, it is. It is a hard one because you've got that, you've got that drive to, to succeed in that, you know, passion or, or purpose or whatever you want to call it. But then you've also got to sometimes sort of understand the, sometimes I describe it to my, my family is, you know, you've got to be really good at clutch control because sometimes yeah. you've really yeah. got to be able to hold it in a place to be able to, to deal with both of those challenges. And, you know, one time you're going to spend more time in work because there's big projects or something like that. And then other times you sometimes realize, and it's that awareness, isn't it? That you go, Actually, yeah. when was the last time I sat down with my kids or when yeah. was the last time I saw my my partner or whatever? It's sometimes it's like, okay, I need to I need to step off. When you wake almost, up and the, the, the uh rooster's outside going, Oh yeah. there's another late night. <laughs> <laughs> I almost view it like, you know, nuclear fuel in a nuclear reactor where you need that fuel to drive things, to create the power, to create the energy, but you can't let it get out of control. You can't let it run away and create a chain reaction. So it's always a matter of, of trying to figure out how to modulate and moderate that internal fire and keep it in check, but also harness it. Yeah, actually, that's a, that's a really good way to describe it because I know from, from my personal experience, I, I didn't and mine went into meltdown and that's really one of the reasons why I was ill. <laughs> Because I didn't, I yeah. didn't pull the rod out in time. I guess is the way to describe it with that analogy. And right. the, one of the reasons yeah. why I do this work is to help people identify that you know you've got to main, you've got to maintain that personal mental health and physical health, and you know do this stuff whatever. I mean, not not everyone's going to find the uh, you know start a business on their own or whatever. But it's looking at that that mental management of stuff so you don't go to the to the critical side and you know if you don't if you don't catch it in time then you know it can seriously do you some damage so it's, yeah. it's that's a really good way of Absolutely. doing it i may borrow that one from you actually when i do oh uh, yeah please do, do training, yeah. so there you, go. there you go but obviously it's it's been broadcasted yeah, internationally so they know <laughs> Yeah, there you go. You know, because it's the fuel source you need. You have to yes, have it, it but also you, you can't have too mm. much of it. So, yeah, it's always a balancing act. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, question number six is what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Right. So uh, what I've learned over the years is um, when I first started, I used to think that the uncertainties, the insecurities, the questions I had, the fact that I was afraid of things that I was making up and uh, meant that I was not an entrepreneur. And I've learned over the years that, in fact, having those questions, insecurities, uncertainties actually is the proof that I am an entrepreneur, that all entrepreneurs have them. And I wish I would have known in the beginning that it was validating to have those fears and not, you know, not in incriminating to have those fears. Yeah, that's very, very true. So I think that's the thing is when you start, you think you're the only one. 
You think yeah. you're the only yeah. one with it's those it's voices. It's the only place until you yeah. realize, oh, wow. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> making this up as they go along. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, my, my okay. granddad had his own business as well. Now, I wish he had told me that he had that. Because looking yeah. from the outside yeah. in, it was like, man, that man is such a rock. He just knows how to handle anything. And it wasn't until later you realized that, you know, you would be up till the early hours of the morning having long discussions with my grandma about the challenges. And and I just, I didn't see that. I just saw the the rock solid guy that did, was doing well. It was, it's an, uh, it's an yeah. interesting thing. It's like the other side of the, the other side of the, the veil sort of thing. Well, it's also something that you can't really share with people that aren't other entrepreneurs because other people don't want to hear you talk about that. Right. Oh yeah. It's so tough. Right. But, but you know, it, it's something that you're wrestling with. So that's one of the reasons I spend time with peers is to say, you know, I'm, I'm learning from them and we can have a conversation about the challenges that we face that, that are different than what other people face. Yeah. Do you do um, masterminding groups or anything like that? Or have you done that as you grew? Yeah. So I'm an entrepreneur's organization, which is a, um, a volunteer led version of that. It's a national, right. I'm sorry, international organization that's very similar. Yes. So we yeah. have forum groups where we get together in groups and talk about our challenges and share experiences. Yeah. Right. Brilliant. Okay. Okay. So question number seven is what is your definition of success? Well, that goes back to the uh, nuclear fuel uh, discussion we just had a minute ago. So I used to believe it was uh, the, the answer is the freedom to choose what I do every day. And I used to believe that that was uh, about tasks, right, that I don't have to wear a suit if I don't want to or whatever. But then I eventually realized that that freedom to choose was not just freedom to choose what I do, but freedom to choose how I feel. So I think there's a balance uh, of freedom from external forces that are telling me what I have to do and I don't want to be told what to do. And also those internal forces that are telling me what to do that I don't have control of. So it's for me, it's about freedom from both the internal and external uh, forces that are trying to decide what I'm doing today. Brilliant. Excellent. Okay. Question number eight is the life lesson question. So you get to pick a number between one and 50 and whatever comes up, we will discuss based on a lesson that I've learned through um, my illness and my, and starting my own business and um, it is okay for you to disagree with it because obviously it's a lesson. Um, so take it away. Pick a number between one and fifty. Let's try twenty-nine. Twenty-nine is honesty. Um, actually, it falls. It falls. It kind of like what we were discussing about. It's being transparent and being honest, not only with yourself with others. There's quite often you'll see in in myself. I wasn't true to me when I was before my illness, because I was just saying, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. But clearly I wasn't. Um, and then obviously yeah. within the business, it was, I'm very honest, I'm, I'm, I'm very transparent with the way I work, the challenges I have and everything else within my life. Um, but there was an awful lot of people saying, you can't be like that. You got to put, you got to put the, 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 the fake makeup on and pretend everything's going great. And I just don't see the benefit in that. I think your people will catch you out because you'll slip and then that your integrity will diminish if people find that out. And I just wondered, wondered what you thought. You know, I a hundred percent agree with that. And in fact, um, I, I was tempted on my, um, uh, the business book, the personal development book that I, where I mentioned long walk to freedom to actually mention a business book that I read years and years ago by Jack stack, the great game of business. And Jack was the first person I ever read who advocated transparency within your business, where you share the financials of your business with all of your employees. And that's something that was so radical at the time. It's still fairly radical for a lot of businesses to think, 
my employees are all going to know if we're doing well or doing poorly and they're going to, you know, they're going to see the truth. Um, so, but what he found out and what I believe too, is that if you're honest with people, you, you have a credibility with them and that is then something that's going to lead to them wanting to fight the battle with you. Like we talked about, which is, I think your biggest job is inspiring people to follow you and they do that because they believe in you. And I think honesty is the route to that. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So we have we have come to the end of the show, but you now get an opportunity to share how people can find out more about you um, on social media and on on your website. How can people get more connected with you? It's really simple. Um, I've got a website for the book that's ClickSand, C-L-I-C-K-S-A-N-D.net. And in fact, uh, we put a little page up there for Success IQ listeners. Um, if you go to ClickSand.net slash Success IQ, all one word, um, I put a chapter from the book. So you can see the chapter five that talks about all the different kinds of damage that can happen if you uh, get sucked into the online marketing in a bad way. And um, also there's a discount there if you want to get the book when it comes out in bookstores later and then also if you want to schedule a call and debate things with me i always love that so that's on there too <laughs> brilliant thanks very much and bill it's been an absolute pleasure having you on your show um and i just want to say wishing you the greatest success wonderful thanks same to you jeff so first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.